0: Welcome to another inspirational teaching from the neighborhood church. We pray that you be blessed by it. It's the end of the semester. You're glad the semester is over. Finally get some rest. Finally don't have to study anymore. Maybe you'll even get home to enjoy some of mom's cooking. You can read some stuff that isn't about what you're studying. It's the end of the semester. But there's one problem before the end of the semester. It's called exams. And you have to write the exams before you can get on to the next thing. And there's more school coming, you know that, but there's a rest before you get into the other stuff. Every once in a while on Saturday night, I'm going to come back and we're gonna talk about the Book of Romans. For the last two years, we've been working our way through this book. And I just wanna give you a quick outline of the overview of uh, the Book of Romans so so you understand the book. Chapters one to eight, in the outline of Romans, the major sections, is about the gospel, sin, and salvation. And then chapter 9, we enter the second section, the gospel in Israel. And I'm going to try real hard to plow through three chapters in two services. Can I do it? No promises. And then we get to the end, chapters 12 to 16, and we look at the gospel and its application to life and how we live it out so here's where we're at we are at the very end of the first semester we're at the very end of the first section Uh, we're at the end of chapter eight and at the end of this section uh where paul has been talking about sin and salvation for eight whole chapters uh he's used big words uh, in verses 29 and, and 30, that goes something like this. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified. He, he's got all these big words in here because that's what he's been talking about in chapters 1 to 8. And then he comes up with, at the end of this chapter, five questions. These are your exam questions. These are the questions you have to know the answer to as we've looked at chapters 1 to 8. If you don't know the answer to these five questions, we have to go back and do chapters 1 to 8 all over because you haven't got it yet. These five questions are a summary of everything Paul has said in the first eight chapters, the first section, which we're about to end in the book of Romans. And uh, it begins with this wonderful question from the New Living Translation. What shall we say then at all, uh, to all these wonderful things? What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? So we've talked about our salvation. What a wonderful message it is. And now we've got five questions. These are the five questions on the exam. You need to know the answers. You've got to have the answers right to these five questions. What's the first question? What's the first question on the exam? If God is for you, who can be against you? You need to know the answer to that. If God's for you, who can be against you. For eight long chapters, Paul has been talking about what God has done for your done in your life. Just before this section, Romans 8 28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God has been uh, revealing himself as the God who takes no matter what has happened in your life, and he works it together for good. If God is for you, things are going to be being worked together for good. And if God is working things together for good, who can? Who can be against you? The answer is really... I like your answer, but it's not going to help you pass the exam. The answer is, is no one. God is for you. He's working on your side, and I want you to understand that God is for you because He loves you. God is not for you because he just has to tolerate you. He finds you a pain in the neck and the uh, in the neck. The only reason he loves you is because he, he sees the blood of Christ. No, he loves you and he is for you. And the simple answer to the question, if God is for you, who can be against you? The answer is no one and nothing. No one and Nothing. So you need to get that answer right. Second question in the exam. Uh, question number, uh, no, let's go, let me, I wanna take it, let's go back, I need to take you to this verse too. First John chapter two and verse 12. Because I don't think we understand this as we should. I am writing to you little children because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. <laughs> Why has God forgiven your your sins? Not so you can be forgiven. He's glad you're forgiven, but He has forgiven your sin for His namesake. The gospel is about you, is about Him and what He's done for you, and He loves you because He wants to. He's done it for His namesake. So, second question on the exam. Uh, if God did not spare his own son, will he not freely give you all things? The answer to that is God didn't just have to come up with some plan of salvation that he felt coerced into. God did not just allow the cross. God purposely, intentionally planned the cross. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 and verse 12, the end. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us to fall on him. He poured himself out to death. He was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors i want you to get this clearly god did not spare his own son and if god was willing to give the thing that was most precious to him in order that we can be in right relationship with him and experience the love of god in our lives you can be sure he's willing to give you everything else you need he will freely give you all things And it's not because you're perfect, and it's not because you're nice, and it's not because you've got your act together. That happens because God loves you. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. This is the gospel, friends. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved you while you were still a sinner. That's the love of God for us. And if God loved you while you were a sinner, now that you're in him, you can be absolutely confident that he's going to bless you and freely bestow upon you uh, all things. Third question on this final exam from the first eight chapters of the book of Romans. Can anyone accuse God's elect? Can anyone, we're going quicker than we want on these slides. Can anyone accuse God's elect And the answer to that is no. In the courtroom of heaven, in the courtroom of heaven, the devil can accuse you, but God is going to declare to the devil, that person, my friend, is not God guilty, that person is innocent, your ex-wife can accuse you of something in the courtroom of heaven, but God is going to look at you and God is going to say, that my friend is my friend, that my friend is my daughter, that my friend is my son, and they are innocent in my sight. There is no charge that will stand in the courtroom of heaven because God has declared you right before him. God looks at you and he sees you as beautiful and perfect. God looks at you and he sees no fault in you. That's how much he loves his bride. He looks at his bride. And he sees no fault in her. He sees no fault in you. We see faults in ourselves. We see faults in each other. But God looks at us and he sees us as absolutely beautiful. And let it be 100% clear in all of your hearts tonight. God is head over heels in love with you. God is head over heels in love with you. You say you can think what you want and people can say what they want about you, but God has justified you. God has looks at you as if you had never ever sinned. He sees you as perfect. That ought to excite you. That ought to excite you. Fourth question. Who will condemn you if God has justified you? Who will condemn you if God has justified you, and the answer is no one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, that no condemnation clause can never be defeated and it can never be erased. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Are you hearing me? (laughs) <laughs> this is good news. This is exciting. Who will condemn you if God has justified you? The answer is absolutely nobody can because you're under the no condemnation clause. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Eight days ago, we, uh, we buried my uh, mother-in-law last eleventh uh, or 11 days or so of, of her life, Pastor Donna had the privilege and it was a privilege of spending six to eight to ten hours, most of it alone, with her mom. She knew for the last uh, week of her life or so that she only had weeks at the most to live. And this is what she said over and over again. Donna, I have no fear. 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 You know why she had no fear? Because she understood the no condemnation clause. And there is nobody who can condemn you. There's nobody who can bring any charge against you if you are in Christ Jesus. Because you are under the no condemnation clause. Well, I'm excited. Anyhow. Question, question number number five. Can anyone separate us from the love of Christ? And in answer to that, the Apostle Paul makes a list of things. Most of them come in pairs. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no other, he's got the list there, and then in case there's just you think think of something that'll get you messed up, he adds, nor any other created, there is nothing friends, nothing friends, that can separate you from the love of God. As a matter of fact, you are described in relationship to all these things that you think might separate you from the love of God. You're described as being more than a conqueror. In the Greek, it literally means a hyper-conqueror. You are a hyper-conqueror. You are absolutely victorious over every one of these things. Nothing, nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Timothy Jones and his wife adopted their second daughter. She had uh, previously been adopted by another family but after she had lived with the family for two years there was a disillusion of adoption. I didn't even know you could have such a thing. The adoption was dissolved and this girl needed another home to live in. Pastor and his wife adopted this little eight-year-old girl. When she was in the previous home the family used to go to to Disney World all the time. And when they were going to Disney World, the whole family would go, except the adopted girl, they kept saying to her, you're not... Uh, Behaving well enough to deserve to go to Disney World with us. When she moved in with Pastor uh, Timothy Jones and his wife, she told them about how every time the last house she was adopted by got to go to Disney World, she never got to go. talked about how much she wanted to go to Disney World. So the pastor and his wife rubbed together their, their coins and saved money and planned a family trip to Disney World, and about six weeks before they were supposed to go, they announced to the family, we're going to Disney World. And this young girl broke out in what Pastor Timothy describes as absolutely devilish behavior. She would tell lies when truth was much easier to tell. She just loved, she just enjoyed uh, getting underneath her older sister's skin and creating all kinds of ruckus in the house. She just made life in the house absolutely miserable. A couple of days before they were going to leave, dad took this daughter, second daughter aside and said, I want to talk to you. And uh, she said, uh, I know why you want to talk to me. you're not going to let me go to the magic kingdom, are you? Because I haven't been behaving good enough. And Pastor Timothy said, are you part of this family? And she nodded. And then he said, is our family going to Disney World? And she nodded. And he said, well then, you're going to Disney World. (laughs) But for the next two days, she began to act even worse. Something going on inside of her heart. But The family took her to Disney World anyhow, and she visited the Magic Kingdom with it's oversized mice and ducks and all those long lineups and really expensive food. And at the end of the day, she's absolutely exhausted and she's getting ready to go to sleep. And dad comes into her bedroom and and prays with her. And dad says to her after he had... Uh, had uh, prayed with her, he said, did you, did you enjoy your your first day at Disney World? And she said, yeah, Dad, I finally got to go to Disney World. And it wasn't because I was good. It was because I am yours. wasn't because I was good, it was because I'm yours. My friends, that's the outrageous gospel that is explained to us in Romans chapter 1 to 8. That is the outlandish gospel grace of god that is explained to us in romans chapter 1 to verse 8 it's a gospel that that over and over again we see revealed to us it it's about the farmer who has these deadbeat laborers show up and they only show up for the last hour of work but they get a whole day's wages That's the kind of gospel we're a part of. The gospel where a guy meets a woman who was all alone and forsaken, and and he marries her and makes an everlasting covenant to her, and then he finds out that she was a whore, and he doesn't leave her, and he doesn't desert her, but he keeps his commitments. That's the gospel we're a part of. We're part of the gospel where a son comes, and he, he lives outlandishly, and he has all kinds of drunken nights and he sleeps with the pigs but the father's eye is out for him and the father sees him coming and the father uh, gives him his best clothes and gives him his ring and prepares a party for him that's the gospel we're a part of we're part of a gospel where a shepherd has 99 sheep in the in the sheepfold, and they're behaving as they should be but he leaves the 99 and he goes out and he finds the one who's wandering and he's That's the gospel, and that's the gospel we heard about in Romans chapter 1, verse chapter 1 through to chapter 8. Oh, my friends, this is something amazing. This is something wonderful. And every one of us here, every one of us here lives or can live in that outlandish love of God. Not, not because we're good, but because we love Him. We know you enjoyed this teaching from the Neighborhood Church from our Pine House location here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To touch base with us from anywhere in the world that you're listening, or maybe you're just at the gym or in your car, you can text the word Pine House to 306-800-5296. There you can fill out our digital connect card. Or if you want to give it a distance, or maybe you've been working weekends or just can't make it to the city, text the initials TNC to 705-230-8977. Through that little portal, you can give or tithe or... Give and Give to Missions For any more information about the Neighborhood Church you can check us out online at theneighborhoodchurch.org God bless you and have a great week